Hopefully you have your Bibles open with me to Romans chapter 8. Um, we are continuing our study through Romans chapter 8. We've been here uh, for a couple of years now and uh, we'll be here several more. Uh, and you know, one of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing uh, this week is um, the book of Romans. I say this, I'll say this about every book of the Bible, so you're going to have to hear it over and over. But, you know, Romans is like uh, as you get in and you dig into to God's word and you dig into this to this book, it's, you know, I just want to squeeze it for every drop of goodness that's in it. And that carries with it the temptation to just hover and slow down at places. And today, uh, as you saw in your bulletin, we are going to try to cover many verses this morning. Uh, that are together, but I want to start by asking you this, because I think what Paul is is getting at in these uh, verses, especially verses five through eleven, is 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 kind of thinking about what we think about. Uh, we're not, we're not going to get philosophical this morning. It's kind of a philosophical question, but I, I want to ask you this morning to think about what you think about. Uh, Derek Thomas, who wrote a book called The Gospel Brings Us All the Way Home, and it's on Romans chapter 8, asked this question at the beginning of this uh, section. He says, what are the ordinary, involuntary thoughts that you have? What do you think about when you're not thinking? Which is hard, because we're not thinking about not thinking, so I'm asking you to think about not thinking, but you you know what I mean. You're following with me here. What is your mindset? What automatically comes to your brain as you are doing life? This is powerful in our lives. And I just want to give you one small example. Uh, And I'm not going to talk about uh, chocolate or cheeseburgers or anything like that, as in weeks past. But just one example. So, you know, let's say that you are a married person this morning. Uh, and, and let's say that you are a, a fairly decent married person this morning. <laughs> um, you know, you probably spend a lot of your life, married life, thinking involuntarily about your spouse, maybe your kids and things like that. So when you think about your job, when you think about um, your leisure activities, when you think about how you're going to spend money and things like that, a lot of times that's filtered through the fact that you're married and have a family. If you're not married, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's just take a a non-married man for a moment. You know, a lot of our college guys this morning, they may be thinking about getting a wife. And so what we would see is that there is a mindset there that is a lot different and should be set against a married person and a non-married person. What I mean by that is that if you are a married person and you're thinking about getting another wife, you need to come talk with me. The mindset is different. Something has happened to you that changes the way that you think should. I know some of you are nudging your spouse this morning. This isn't the time for that. We're not doing a marriage sermon this morning. But I think it's a good example a good example of what the text is bringing out this morning. This morning, Paul is going to uh, uh, talk with us in this text about the mind that is set on the flesh and the mind that is set on the spirit. 
And, and one of the things that I want you to know from the very beginning, uh, there's two things that are important as we're looking and interpreting these verses. Number one, in this text this morning, the mindset on the flesh is talking about one that is not a Christian. The mindset on the spirit is talking about someone who is a Christian. The reason this is important is that there are places in the Bible where Paul will say things like, or other biblical writers will say things like, set your mind on things above. That's not what Paul is doing here this morning. He is not exhorting us or telling us something to do. He is providing a description this morning. So this is why I begin with asking you about what you think about when you're not thinking or when you think about what you think about. You know what I'm meaning. Why I begin by asking you that is because what Paul is leaning here is he's talking about a description, not an exhortation. And so this morning, as we go along, I believe that there are two possible things that will happen this morning. Two possible things that will happen. One is is it could be that as we are here and we're talking about this and as we go through this passage and we look at what it means to have your mindset on the flesh versus your mindset on the spirit, that you may just come to the realization this morning that as you're doing that and as you're sitting here and as you're thinking about those things, that your mind is set on the flesh. And it would be a glorious work of the Holy Spirit this morning to maybe prompt you in that direction. For the rest of us who know that our that we are Christians and we've put our place and our trust in Christ, I think what you'll see this morning that although there's not an exhortation here, a command to set your mind on the things of the Spirit, I think what will happen is that you will be encouraged this morning as we talk about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives in helping us set our minds on the things of the spirit. So, so um, I, I want to start by maybe going back to last or two weeks ago um, a little bit and, and talk about where we were two weeks ago, because one of the things that as I read Romans eight and, and, uh, and I, I accidentally set Gary up, um, which is fun to do. Um, but one of the ways I did that was by talking about some of the principles uh, of, of, of the Holy Spirit in Romans eight. And he and I had not talked about that, so we had to, I've had to do some emailing back and forth as he's on vacation to say, here's some of the things I'm talking about. But last week, last week, um, we talked, two weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit aids in our sanctification, how the Holy Spirit aids in our sanctification by reminding us who has set us free from the law of sin and death and how we've been set free from that. And if you remember back a couple of weeks ago, it says, who can set us free? God has set us free. And the way that he did that was through Jesus Christ. And that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one of the works of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is by reminding us of that. And this really gets at the therapeutic, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of Christianity that leaves us lacking and reminds us of who it is that set us free and how he has done that through Jesus. So today we're going to talk about another principle here that I think about the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit aids in our sanctification. And I think that what you're going to see today through this text is we're going to see the principle is how the Holy Spirit aids in our sanctification by helping us set our minds upon something. 
how how the how the Holy Spirit aids in our sanctification by helping us set our minds upon something. And that something, as you'll see, is the work of the Holy Spirit. So how our thoughts have been changed. Now, let's dig in and uh, look at verse five. And uh, we're going to camp out kind of in verse five and six for a little bit, because I really want you to understand the argument that Paul is making here. So in verse five, it says four, and we're going to we're going to come back to to the four in a minute um, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now, um, some other uh, in uh, translations of the text would say for those who are according to the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. And so one of the things we need to understand is, is what does this mean to set your mind on something? And, and what this means, if we look at it, is that in, if we defined it uh, in its original language, it means to think of, to care for, to strive for. So another way that we could say this is this. Those who are according to the flesh think of, care for, desire the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit think of, care for, desire the things of the spirit. So what we see is that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, in our lives, changes us. It changes our thought patterns. It changes how we think. And what I hope and pray this morning that we could do is that those who are believers that we could just randomly call you up here and you can tell us the way that your thought life has changed. So we're no, we're not going to do that right now. But as, as if we think about it, hopefully we can see how that thought life has changed in all of us and how we have changed and how the Holy Spirit has been at work in us. Now, I am going to set you up with a really odd question. When I ask you to think about the law of God, don't answer out loud. Wit's not here. He's the only one I'm really worried about. When you think about the law of God, what do you think about? So think about that right now. When you think about the law of God, what is it that you think about? What comes to your mind? Dread? Guilt? Condemnation? Or life? Joy? And freedom? And you may say, well, Lewis, you know, haven't you read Galatians? Yes, I've read Galatians. Haven't you been reading in the book of Romans? Yes, I've preached a lot of sermons in the book of Romans. What you have to understand and what I want us to see from the context is that this is what Paul is getting at. That the mind set on the spirit loves the law of God. And it becomes what we desire, what we care for, what we think about in a good way. And, and I want you to see this, and we've got to get into the context, so we've got to go backwards to go forward. And I want you to see, so, so go back up with me um, to verse 3. Now let's go all the way back up. 
There is now therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then notice in verse 3. Notice in verse 3. For what the law could not do. Weak as it was through the flesh. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That as, as Paul is writing this, what he doesn't, what he's taking careful note for us to know, that when he's talking about what the law could not do, he is not knocking the law. In fact, Paul says that the law is good. And that's what I'm wanting you to get to this morning. But that the reason that the law can't save us is because in our flesh, we are so weak that on our own, we can never fulfill the law. And so on our own, we are doomed. But we know from a couple of weeks ago and from our studies in the book of Romans, what we could not do, God did by sending his son. Perfect obedience, perfect righteousness. He took on our sin, our guilt, our shame, and we got his righteousness. And it doesn't stop there in verse three. Look in verse four. So that. So, so God did this. God sent his son and condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law, notice this phrasing, might be fulfilled in us. And, and we could have the temptation there to just talk about this exchange of Jesus and us, right? But then notice that Paul presses on further. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For... Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of flesh, but those according to the spirit set their minds on the spirit. And so what's going on here is that we are picking up this text in the middle of an argument. And the argument is this, is that those, those who have been set free from the law of sin and death, that the righteous requirement of the law is being fulfilled in them who walk according to the spirit. So another way to kind of uh, say this, another way to begin to look at this is, is this, and I'm going to paraphrase here. So, for verse 5, if we are thinking of, desiring, striving for the things of the Spirit, the law is being fulfilled in those. And the law is being fulfilled in those because we are thinking and setting our minds on and walking in these ways. Now, you may have several questions going on in your mind. <laughs> this is why I wanted to ask you, what do you think about when you think about the law of God? And I think for a lot of us, um, this guy included, the way we think about the law of God needs to change. That if it doesn't change, then, then, then we are really limiting ourselves. And we're limiting ourselves because the very purpose of God saving us is so that this law might be fulfilled in us. And I think that the problem that many of us get and many of us come to is that when we begin to think about the law of God, we think of it in ways that are very unhealthy and very unholy. What is the law? It is God's righteous requirements. It's God's prescription for how we should do life. What do we believe about God? 
Do we believe that God is a uh, a moral taskmaster who is just uh, waiting to crush us or like a cosmic uh, Santa Claus? Uh, you know who, if we're good enough, he's going to give us gifts. And if we're not good enough, we don't get the gifts. Or do we believe, as we were singing this morning, that God is the God of the universe who loves us and who cares for us and who sent his son to die on the cross for us? And so that when he gives us, when he prescribes to us, when he tells us in his words the things that he loves and the things that are good for us. Do we feel in us the Holy Spirit setting our mind on these things? And by knowing and seeing that these things are good. Let's continue on through the flow. I'm, I'm tempted to, to stay here, but we need to get through these verses this morning. I want to continue with the thought and bring it all together, the thought, and then to, to show you and, and to spend a little more time talking about what the mindset on the flesh is and what the mindset on the spirit is. Look at verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Now, this can be a little complicated unless we understand um, what the is, how the is is functioning in the sentence. We're not going to have a grammar lesson here, so just relax. I'm just going to tell you, but we need to know how the is is functioning. The is is functioning here. As uh, another way to say this would be this for the mindset on the flesh is revealing death, but the mindset, the mindset on the spirit is revealing life and peace. So I'm going to break it down and paraphrase it for you. And I want you to understand here is the argument that Paul is giving us the complete argument. And I'm going to do it from both ways, from the flesh and from the spirit. So here's the argument, the whole argument. Those who are dead. Those who are dead, non-Christians, those who are dead, think of and care for dead things and therefore do not walk in the spirit. Does that iron it out a little? On the other side of that, those who are alive and have peace with God, think of and care for the things of the spirit and because they're thinking of and caring for the things of the spirit, they are walking according to the spirit. Now. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what is meant here. By the mindset on the flesh. And I think an easy way to say this, um, an easy way to look at this is a mindset on the flesh is anything minus God. That if God is not the blazing center, if his glory is not what is being lived for, if his honor is not what we are concerned about. Then the mindset is on the flesh. At the beginning of our study on the book of Romans in verse 21, it talks about sin being not honoring God as God and not giving him thanks. So what I'm not talking about is that the mindset on the flesh is a sinner that is living as bad as they could be. In fact, what I want you to know, and you all know your, yourselves, that there are many unbelievers that live very moral lives. That's not what we're talking about. The problem is, is that their morality, their goodness will never be godliness. That's the problem. 
because their motivations, their mindset, their desires are not the things of God. In fact, Paul gives us two verses here and talks about this mindset in more detail. And notice these words. The mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Now, before we make this, you know, a lot of times here we make this snap judgment on. No, 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 Lewis, I know or I may be this morning, not Lewis. You may be saying this in your own head. (laughs) I may be a non-believer and I'm not hostile towards God. I'm not shaking my fist at God. I'm not outwardly cursing God. I'm not. You know, in fact, you know, as I as I heard from someone this last week, hey, look, I kind of like it that people love God and I want them to do their thing and I'll do kind of my thing and we can just kind of coexist and I'm cool with it. That doesn't sound like hostility. Until. Until we really realize the full message of what has happened in the universe Of God being the creator of everything. And that he has created everything for his glory. And he has created you and me to to mirror his glory. And that we in our rebellion have shook our fists at him and said no thank you. Look at the the next phrase here in verse 7. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God for or because it does not subject itself to the law of God. The mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God because it is taking God's law and saying, no, thank you. It's saying, I don't believe what you say. It's saying, I don't believe that your way is what's best. I'm in control of my life. I know what's best for me. Thank you very much. And then it goes even deeper. So we see that the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it doesn't subject itself to the law of God. And then notice this. And I'm going to read on through verse 8 here. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now this could get us into this whole debate. That we're not going to debate this morning. We're just going to believe the word of God. And saying man, woman in our natural state. Apart from the grace and love of God. Cannot please God. And that has set us in hostility and enmity between God and us. And this is where as a believer. As a believer, it should make us tremble. For our neighbors who are in this position. But it should also make us thankful. That God has made a way. And that the way that God has made is not dependent upon anything that man can or can't do. It is impossible. It is fully dependent upon God and the work of the Spirit in opening up the eyes of blind men and women. 
So we see that the law set on the flesh and all its games, goals and aims are, are suicidal. Now, let's contrast that. Let's contrast that with the mindset on the spirit. And what Paul is describing here, remember, he is describing being versus behavior. Do you understand what I mean by that? He's describing being. It's descriptive. I'm going back to that word. He is describing who we are, a mindset on the spirit. It's who we are. We have our mindset on the spirit versus behavior. Now, those two things coincide. But what Paul is telling us, and Paul tells us this an awful lot, is who we are informs what we do. And so Paul is going back at this and in, in, in who we are, who we are is spirit indwelt people. And let's look back at John chapter 16. If you've got your Bible, oh, you have your Bibles, if you'll open them to John 16 verses 13 through 15. As we're talking about the mindset on the spirit and and, and how it should describe us as, as believers Look as Jesus is speaking here in these in these verses about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. So so the person who has the Holy Spirit, the person whose mind is set on the spirit, who desires, who 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 thinks about the things of the spirit, they are guided into all truth for he, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Notice verse 14, he will glorify me. He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Here again, we have the the whole idea of the glory of God being at the root of all things. And then in verse 15, all things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So what we have is we have the Holy Spirit in these verses and the mind that is set on the mind that is thinking of that is caring for the things of the spirit. What we see is what we see. What's really going on is the Holy Spirit is working in the life of the believer to guide us, to disclose to us, to 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 to. To push us, to set before us the things of the Spirit. Tom Schreiner says that obedience is the work of the Spirit in the heart. Not a burden from without, but a delight embraced from within. So when we think about the things of God, we have a desire, we have a care. And isn't this just the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I love being around seasoned believers. I do. I do. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you'll have pastors who talk about uh, who will say things like, uh, I don't like being around older Christians, not old people who have been in the faith for a while. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about just, you know, those of us who have been saved for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But it is neat and it is life giving to be around a new believer. When you you can just see the work of the Holy Spirit just so radical in their life, 
I think as older believers that the spirit works a little more gradually in us. But because when we're young, when we first accept Christ into our heart, it just kind of explodes and changes us in such drastic ways. And our mind gets set and, 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 and we see this and we know this, that obedience is not a burden, but it's a delight. And this is a supernatural work in us. So I, I want to leave us with just a couple words of application. And I want to go through and I think that Paul is, is bringing us to some points here in, in the rest of these verses. And, and the first thing, the first thing that I want you to know is that you must know, you must know the things of God. You must know the things of God. Look in verse nine. For the spirit to to get to guide you and to set your mind on spiritual things, you must know the things of God. Look in verse nine. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. How do you know that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if you don't know what God says about you? Does that make sense? And so what I think happens is that we read what I'm hoping happens is that we read passages like this this morning and we may even be struggling with our mindset this morning and we read these passages and we're encouraged when we hear this declaration. And I want Paul to say it right to you that you if you have if you have asked Jesus into your heart, you are in the spirit, the spirit of God dwells in you and that is who you are. And the Spirit takes those words this morning, the Bible, the very Word of God, and encourages you and lifts you up. The second thing that I want you to see is that we are to know, we are to know our destiny. Look at verses 10 and 11. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But the Spirit who of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, again, these verses, this section is a little complicated because of some of its wording. But what Paul is saying here and what he goes on to say in the end of the chapter is this, that one of the effects of sin that we do not overcome even as believers is that these bodies that we're living in are dying and for some of you, if that's news to you this morning, I'm sorry. Everybody told me when you get near 40, you understand this more. And, and boy, these past two years have said that, screamed that loudly. So one of the things that happens is that this outer man is decaying, is wasting away and will die. But our destiny, our destiny is that the Spirit, says here, is going to give us life that lives beyond the death of these bodies in heaven forever where we will get new bodies. That that is our destiny. And so I think one of the points here is that if we think about this, what the Holy Spirit does is that if we really begin to look at this and think about this and understand this and read all the places in God's Word that talks about this, what happens is that it helps us, the Spirit helps us set our minds on the things of the Spirit and not on things of the flesh because it begins to divorce those two things by saying 
that this world is fading and passing. Don't hold on to it. That is your destiny. And the third thing, I've got to go quickly. The third thing that that I think that the Holy Spirit does and that wants us to know in these passages is look again in verse 11. But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What I love when I am talking with someone, whether it's in counseling or just in casual conversation, is when we're talking about things in the Christian life and they say, I can't. And I say, bingo. This verse has meant so much to me personally over the years because when I think of maybe sin that I'm trying to overcome in my life, when I think of maybe obstacles that have been placed in front of me or or directions that God is leading me that just seem too big. I think about this, the same. Let this blow your mind. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And so what the Holy Spirit does in my life with this is says, So what's your excuse? I haven't come up with one yet. That we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit and it gives us the power to set our minds of the things of God and to love the things of God, to love the law of God and to walk forward in that. Now I'm going to... Maybe step on some toes here a little bit. Maybe. There's one other place where this whole wording, the mindset um, on the on things that are above uh, this wording is used, and that's in Matthew chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. It'll be a very, very familiar passage to you if you've been in church. But I want you to notice something here. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Now, this is easy to explain. Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer and he is going to die and he's going to be raised up on the third day. So Peter, gentle Peter, took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. So what we have is Jesus saying, here's what's going to happen. Here's what needs to happen. And I'm going to raise again on the third day. And here, so here you have the very words of Christ. And you have Peter coming alongside and saying, nope, not going to happen. I'm not going to let this happen. And look at what Jesus says to him. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. Now, notice this phrase, same word in the Greek. You are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And so what we have here in this text is that we have Peter hearing the very words of Jesus and the very 
the, the very plan of Jesus. And he says, hey, I don't like that plan. I'm going to alter this plan. We're going to do it my way. Now, here's where toes might be stepped on. I think many times we do the same thing. And you may say to me this morning, Lewis, Jesus has never um, come down from heaven and sat beside me and had a conversation with me. And I would say, well, that's probably good that you're acknowledging that. Because despite what some wacko TV evangelists say, that is not going to happen until Jesus returns. What do we call this? What do we call this? The very word of God. And I was reminded this week, reminded this week, and and at the end of the book of Romans, uh, uh, this is where I was reminded this week. In chapter 13, Paul writes that the whole of the law can be summed up in loving your neighbor as yourself. And so what I would ask you this morning is. Are we putting God's word, are we reading God's word, are we spending time in God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to change us? And so what I just want to end with is two things. Very briefly, number one, three. Open the word of God. Number two. When you open the word of God. Set yourself under the word of God and not over the word of God. You know what I mean by that? I had a conversation with someone this week. um, Who uh, uh, at a conference I was at, a little conference thing I was at, who uh, uh, spent the whole time talking to me about the opposite. Um, And it, it was just very troubling Um, In other words, that we as humans are given things like the Bible and other sacred books. And this person would have called themselves a Christian so that we can kind of pilfer through here and see what sort of these things kind of meet our fancy and what things don't. That's not of the spirit. That is using religion to set your mind on things of the flesh. The God-centered, God-glorifying, spirit-filled person, when they read the Bible, sit under the Bible, and when they come across things that are tough in their lives and that they don't understand, they submit. They submit. The third thing, the third thing that I want you to walk away with is, is this. This is the reason why we do what we do in our preaching. Meaning the only truth that I have that comes out of my mouth. The truth is measured out of my mouth. Only. In how accurately. I have divided this word. In its context. In the other places in the scripture where these things are talked about. So the closer I am to what God's intention for the text was. The truth meter goes up. 
That's why here that you don't hear a lot. We do sometimes you don't hear a lot of just topical preaching because it's it's been Gary's persuasion. And this is one of the reasons why uh, the, the transition is happening with me. It's my persuasion that that can become dangerous. Because my ideas and my thoughts get involved in that versus setting ourselves under God's word, because I believe that this is where the Holy Spirit comes in and helps us and aids us in our sanctification, in our becoming more holy, in our fulfilling the requirements of the law, that the Holy Spirit does this by taking the word that is heard and bringing it, bringing it into us in such a way that we submit to it and follow it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. God, we are so thankful that you've given us the Bible. God, we're also thankful that you've given us the spirit. And God, we just want to, I just want to repent that there are so many times that I will try to lean on one or the other when God, your word tells us that it's the spirit and the word working in conjunction in our lives to bring about to bring about sanctification, to bring about making us more and more like your son. God, I just pray this morning, Lord, if there is anyone here who is. Their mind is set on the flesh. And that when they think about what they think about. That there's no recognition or impulse of the glory of God or a desire or a longing for for you. God, I pray that even this morning you may convict and open up their eyes. God, for the rest of us. God, I pray that, um, Lord, that we would just take serious who we are. God, I pray that we would delight in being your children. God, I pray that we would delight in having your spirit in us. And God, I pray that I know your word this morning has told us that that'll lead to us delighting in your law. Because it'll lead to us loving the things that you love. God, we thank you again for who you are. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.